Thanks for checking out Free Chapel Young Adults. We're so excited to share this conversation with you from our last third Wednesday gathering. We'd love to help you get more connected at FCYA here in Orange County. For more information, just follow us on Instagram or text FCOCYA to 510-510. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to join us next month for FCYA third Wednesday. We'll see you soon. Search for everything. We're jumping into part two of this here tonight. And joining me for this conversation, I want to introduce you to two very special people to me. This is Pastor John and Taryn Chris from Zion Church in St. Clemente. And uh, some real friends up here tonight. I'm excited about this conversation that we have. Um, really to take a look, I think these two, so you know, have been um, incredible friends in just the uh, couple years that we've been together. You've been a constant source of encouragement and just friendship and partnership and ministry. So, so thankful you guys are here tonight. Thanks for joining the conversation. And maybe just by way of introduction, so we can get to know you, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Maybe just the last two years in particular as church planners together? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, I just want to say that um, I've never stepped into an environment where I felt less cool. <laughs> like, you guys are... You, I, I, I used to lead a young adult ministry down in San Clemente. You. It's been a long time. I'm 36. I'm like, oh, wow, this is what cool people look like. <laughs> so congrats. You're very cool, and I'm honored to be here. Um, we love Cody so much, and I just have to start by saying, your pastor's amazing. Can we just give it up for your pastor? His heart. I mean, these are real people. Real friends, real people that have journeyed with us through our successes and also some of the most painful and challenging moments in our lives that have stood with us. And I, I can't speak highly enough of your pastors. I, you know, I, I do feel a little like, you know, insecure when I get up at 9 a.m. and I look at my Instagram story and I see this dude like benching like five plates. You know what I mean? Win Have the you... morning, win the day. There kind it of is. Thing. You know? There it is. Like, we get it. Win the Hashtag morning, it. win the day. Hashtag you know? it. You know? Let's go. Thanks for the guilt and shame <laughs> that he puts on us, but... We love you, man. You're an inspiration. That's kind. Thank and you. It's, uh, I love do also you. have to say this. Um, we, we carry a special anointing of making relationships happen from nothing when we come to places. And uh, it's, been, it's been verified. Marco, this has been verified. Wow. Uh, Josh, where are you at? Josh just talked to me before we came on stage and said, last time I came to speak to uh, the college students about relationships, he's like, dang, I got to take some notes. I got to get coffee with Pastor Cody. And he said a week later, he got into a relationship with Stop it. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Where is Josh and Elizabeth? Where are you guys at? Been Stop. dating for a year. Is that real? Is that a real story? That's a real thing. That's wow. a real miracle story. It could happen tonight. It could happen in that little vestibule Valentine area over there. You Come just, on. You just don't know what the Holy Spirit has on offer. Feel, I just feel that. Um, we'll open up the altar down the front at the end yeah, for any, any single right, people right. that want to make it happen yeah. tonight. The, the ministry of laying out of hands gets real awkward when that, that stuff happens, but... Uh, I forget the question. We love you, man. Yeah, yeah. we love and, you. And it's, it's awesome to be here. This is my beautiful wife, Taryn. Hi, guys. How's it going? I think Cody, Pastor Cody, was asking us about church planting. Yeah, you guys um, planted a church in St. Clemente. Yeah, I'm born and raised in St. Clemente, literally born in St. Clemente Hospital. John's from Michigan. And... Um, 
very few yeah. woos on that. <laughs> woo, woo. Um, we really, we, we led a young adults ministry um, prior to planting Zion, but we really felt like God had planted a church in our heart. And um, we kind of prayed about where the place was, if it was LA or San Diego, but God really spoke to me and said, no, it's right here. Like I've given you influence in your city. You don't have to look any further. It's right here. And John's like, I've been praying. I've been wrestling. God told me it's San Clemente. I'm like, I know, let's go. So we launched um, January 27th of... 26th. 26th. I mean, it's neither here nor there, it's, but 26th. Yeah, yeah. You know, 26th um, of 2019. No, 2020. 2020, I'm sorry. That's a different Zion church. It's a different but, Zion church. No. Anyways, we... Two years ago. Two years ago, that's what I meant. Um, we launched and we had seven gatherings in person and then COVID-19 hit. So that was a, through a little wrench in our plan. We definitely didn't like dream this church in our heart and think that it would get shut down and we wouldn't be able to gather in person. But I think you could speak into that because it was actually such an incredible blessing. God, it was a season of stripping away what we thought we needed and what we thought we wanted, but it built such a strong foundation about what the church really was. Mm. And I feel like it, it has catapulted us into where God wants to bring us. Yeah, I don't know if you wanted to you know, lean into that at all or not. I mean, we could share a little bit about that journey. Like, yeah, that has to do with the topic or maybe we want to wait. Sure, yeah. If you, I, One of the things I think is just cool about your story though is just that because jumping in from really being, you know, full of faith and vision and expectation for what church planning is going to look like and then so soon it gets shaken up and it creates sort of this like, what's going to happen next? Can you maybe share about like that journey and sort of what happened after that? Yeah, for me, you know, I'm a fourth generation pastor and that just simply means we have no other marketable skills in life. <laughs> just like what you do. Um, and I tried to run away from it for a really long time and God vortexed me back into it. And, and um, um, you know, I was asked to lead a church at 21 hmm. back in Michigan and it was a struggling church that needed new life and new uh, vision and, and, uh, God lovingly uh, and graciously said, not here and not now, praise the Lord. Because I had no idea at 21 that San Clemente would, uh, would be the destination where I'd have to suffer for Jesus. But um, thank the Lord uh, that that was something that God did, but he birthed something in my heart. So like, just consider this, like, tw like 21, I got this dream to plant a church. I've been training. I went to Southeastern University in person. There in, I was in Lakeland, Florida for five years. So I, I went to SEU out there. Then I, I came out here and I went to APU for uh, grad school. And, and throughout that entire journey, it was like, let's, let's plant a church. Let's, let's make this happen. I'm a strategy guy. I'm a vision guy. The whole plan went through the process and then, you know, raising funds and, and, you know, building a launch team and getting a facility. And then seven weeks in, like she said, you know, it, like everything changed. And to be honest with you, um, during that season of planting the church, I started experiencing things in my body that I had never felt before. I'd felt nerves before, you know, like you get up to speak and you feel a little nervous or, you know, you go to, you know, you go to talk to that, you know, hot guy or girl and, you know, some social anxiety comes in. You know what I mean? Um, everyone's all spiritual right now, but um, 
I started experiencing nonstop 24-7 palpitations in my chest. Like, wow. like my heart was thumping through my, like what felt like thumping through my skin and it would not stop 24-7. Um, crazy uh, nauseousness in my stomach where I, I didn't eat and I didn't want to eat. Um, I was losing a bunch of weight. I, uh, I, I stopped sleeping. It would be like two, three days of like insomnia where I literally wouldn't sleep a wink. The first seven uh, Sunday morning services preaching at this church plant, which was a dream, by the way. It was like, it was like first Sunday, 703 people come wow. to this brand new church. 22 people get saved. And like everyone is, is like, well, you know, like God's doing some amazing things. And no one had any clue that I was suffering and struggling with crippling anxiety. Mm. And I did not know how to identify it. And I was only kind of bringing people really close into my life in, into it because I didn't even know what it was. And uh, that, that brought me through a really amazing journey. But those first seven weeks of preaching, I didn't sleep a wink before preaching on that Saturday night. And God was faithful, God was good, but it was, it was just my plan blew up and all of this anxiety and then COVID-19 and then my identity and my sense of worth was, was tied to the dream and tied to being a pastor and God had to really strip that away and talk to me about his yeah. pleasure and his love for John, just John, yeah. not Pastor John, not, yeah. not, not Leader John, not Vision Guy John. So that's been a really cool journey. Yeah, it's so cool. And part of what I want to lean into tonight is just that space of vulnerability, maybe addressing weaknesses and how maybe you've, you guys have journeyed that together. But if I can, maybe set this up tonight because we're kind of in you know, this collection talking about the search for everything. And uh, the idea there is that you know, we've kind of, our young adult years feel like a search. They feel like we're searching for maybe everything, but also they're searching for our everything, like the things that are the most important and I can look at this, you know, this in-between season of 18 to 30 where it feels like people are... That's a hard question. You. Hard it took me 28 <laughs> years to find you. Oh. <laughs> the kind of flowers that she likes. There we go. It took a long time to search and continue to destroy, not get it right. Um, I don't know. Yeah, what's, I mean, what do you think? I think... Um, wasn't so much a th like a thing for me, a tangible, but something that I was always looking for and trying to attain was confidence. Hmm. Um, I think I really lacked that, especially in my younger years, like high school, young adult season. Like I just didn't believe in whatever like area of life, like that I was the person for the job or that I. Um, was going to find the right person for me or mm. that I was a good enough leader or um, whatever it was, I really lacked confidence and it took a long time to, to build that. And, but I feel like I'm in a season now where I'm walking in that and walking in the authority that yeah, God's great. given me. And, um, but yeah, that was a, a big thing for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, um, a sense of contentment. You know, I'm a type three on the Enneagram, if you believe or not believe in that, whatever. I know you've heard way too much about that, but Cody is too, so whatever. Yeah. Um, but um, I, I have really gone after like, you know, like a mission, mm -hmm. a vision for my life. I'm a 
passion guy. And um, I think what I've really realized, maybe it's being 36 and everything feeling like at times it was stripped away from me, mm. uh, this sense of contentment in Jesus alone. Like literally, if I don't have anything else, I have everything. Yeah. And he is pleased with me. Like just as he said before Jesus did any ministry, at his water baptism, he said, you're my son, you're my boy, I love you so much, and you bring me great joy. Yeah. And just that sense of contentment uh, took, took kind of forever for me to feel like I could like, root myself in it outside of what I did for God. Yeah. I think it's both of, both, both of what you guys are saying, like it's significant because I think, um, you know, so often the search can, we're, we're looking for things, but part of what God wants to instruct us is about character and kind of who we are. I think to God, who we are is so much more important than what we do. Yeah. And that, that, you know, we're talking about confidence, we're talking about contentment, even talking about like a sense of self-awareness and learning how to be secure in who you're made to be. That's something that has to be proven. And the search is, is something that I think God, you know, cause God can bestow gifts upon people and talent, but it's stewarding that and owning it and kind of it being, becoming who I am and being comfortable in that is, is the real journey. Yeah. Um, one thing I think that you know many of you have heard me say a lot is part of what we wanted to gather this community around is um, sort of addressing three of what I would consider the most important needs of any young adult. And I think in our community specifically, part of what we're offering or part of what we want to rally around is these three needs of young adults. And those three needs are um, spiritual direction, authentic community, and a joy-filled life or fulfillment. And taking a look at those three things, I think these are the three things that we all need more than anything else. And part of the thing I think is what we're looking for more than anything else is looking for, okay, spiritual direction. What is it that God wants me to do? And then authentic community, a place where I can find real friends and kind of explore this space of me finding who I really am. And then a sense of uh, fulfillment and joy. And I think that if, you know, if there's, something that the Lord had kind of given us from the start, it would be that sort of, we talked about it last month that Jesus is the way to find spiritual direction. And part of what I want to lean into tonight is Jesus as the truth. Jesus as the truth. And, and I want to maybe go to a verse in John chapter 14. Um, if I can just read it to maybe set up um, maybe the idea that we're talking about tonight. John chapter 14, it's actually the way that Jesus reveals himself to us. It's not just our ideas, but this is how Jesus um, instructs. He, he tells the people there that day, this is who I am. And John chapter 14, um, it'll be on the screen, but we'll kind of give a little bit of context. Jesus says, my father's house has many rooms because if that were not so, what I've told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so that you may also be where I am. And you know the place to which I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And then in verse six, this is kind of the key verse here. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. For no one comes to the Father except through me. So if you really know me, you will have known my Father as well. So from now on, you do know him and have seen him. And I think there's this sense where Jesus says, I am the truth. And, you know, maybe you've heard that in a legalistic way, or maybe you've heard that in a very religious sort of way, like, you know, wave my finger and this is the truth. But I think, you know, maybe there's one idea that Jesus certainly is the truth in, in this sort of idea that a true idea, but Jesus is kind of, I think there's another layer to this, another part of depth of what Jesus is saying is that he's revealing to us in who he is, the truth about God. 
And in the same way, Jesus is the truth about what it means to be really a human, truly human. Jesus is the picture for us, our example. If you were here on Sunday, part of what we talked about is the example of what our life should be is, is the truth about that is in Jesus. And Jesus also, I think the Bible would tell us that it's only in him that we know who we are. Like the truth about you is found in a relationship with Jesus. And so I think maybe to talk about the idea of who we really are, authenticity is the word that kind of comes to mind. You know, authenticity, we, there's a gravity around it. We're, we're drawn to people that are authentic. And there's, we all, you know, in our family and friends and loved ones, we want people surrounding us that are authentic and real and people that are the truth. But I think we often struggle with that. Like we value it in such a high value, but struggle to ourselves be authentic. Why do you think that is? I mean, I, I, I think there are obviously a number of reasons why, but I think the Lord highlighted a few things in my journey that have been a challenge. I think the first thing is self-awareness. Um, you can't be present with people if you don't spend time in God's presence. And as simple as it sounds, we talk about prayer, we talk about worship. I think the reality is, is if we don't take intentional time to be in God's presence, we'll really struggle being present with other people. And there is this, uh, I, I believe in the Enneagram as a tool. I believe in self-assessments. I believe in therapy and counseling. It's all really good, super supportive and helpful. But there's nothing like hearing the words of your father over you alone in his presence. Sure. And so it's really hard to know how to have a real relationship with someone else if you don't have a real relationship with him first. Yeah, See, you said, good. you know, Jesus said, I'm the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Those are all relational statements. Yeah. It's, not, it's not a doctrinal or dogmatic statement. I personally am the relational way to a heavenly father, which, by the way, is a relational title that loves you so much. And I, yeah. think, I, I think one of the pieces is self-awareness. I think the second piece is selfish ambition. Hmm. Uh, you know, networking is so huge in our culture. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, a lot of times people can become pathways when people were always intended to be uh, precious treasures, precious jewels. Good. A pathway is something that you use to get to where you want. Yep. But a precious jewel is something that you invest everything in because you value the worth of that thing. Really good. And you treasure it. I actually think, this isn't in the Bible, but I actually think when, when the Bible talks about crowns and jewels that we're going to get, it's not actual jewels. The jewels are going to be people. Wow. They're going to be names and faces that you invested in here on planet Earth. Um, That's a good thought. So, so, so. Right, because everything nowadays is like, okay, I'm gonna like DM you to get to 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 you to hopefully get me to there. Wow. Because you're my pathway to get to there. Yeah. What would it look like if I actually treated you as a precious jewel that is infinitely valuable because God made you, and I don't need you to make me into anything. Yeah. You know, so Good. like that, that I'm sorry, I'm kind of preaching. That's Beautiful, just, that's just yeah. kind of what I get into. But, I mean, it's like what we do, yeah, right? It's just, so it's, it's like just kind, kind of what we do. Avoid it. And they're like, yeah. But here's no. the thing. It's like, <laughs> if I'm always looking at you, Cody, as what I can get from you right. okay. or where you can take my journey, right. 
then you're then then you're just a tool in my scheme, my mm. plan. How wow. do you develop a real relationship with someone when that's the case? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and and can I say one more thing to that? Yeah, please. Okay. And then I would love to hear you. No. What do I have to say? I feel like no, you have so much to say. Um, you you all need to just take her out for coffee, like. Simultaneously. Yes. Yeah. Except for you guys. Okay. <laughs> I'll be there as your little accountability partner. But um, I don't think our problem, maybe you're going to get to it. Did you want to talk about superficiality at some point? Yeah, let's go there. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I saw you mention that in your, in kind of what you like may want to talk about. Yeah. You know, we hear a lot about superficiality in Orange County, right? Right, it's 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 fake, you know. Superficial people, real, you know, housewives, house. They should make real house men. I mean, that would be exciting. Um, of Orange what a County, show. right? What a show. Like, yeah. we could we could we could tandem on we that one. Yeah. You know, have our 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 sugar mamas out there. Yep. You know, um, I don't think our problem. I don't think our problem is superficiality in our culture. I think our problem is our speed, our addiction to speed. Hmm. I don't mean the drug speed, I mean the pace of our life. Yeah. So if you've read John Mark Homer's Ruthless Elimination in a Hurry, make some noise real quick. Yeah. If you hated it, if you hated it the first time you read it like me, make some noise real quick, because you're addicted to speed like me. Um, no one came out of the womb plastic. Yeah. Every single person is uniquely designed with layers and depth and colors and beauty. Like, God didn't make superficial people. Yeah. But it's, it, it's, it's the pace that we live in right now where we settle for, for, you know, quick comments on social media. We want deep connection and we settle for fast food friendship. Hey, love you. Hey, you the best. Hey, fire emoji. Hey, wow. hey, hey, you know. True. And so we get superficiality because of our fast food friendships when all of us long for depth and connection and yes. life on life and deep, authentic relationships. But, but we've settled for it because, because we're just, we've, we're, we're living like this all the time in our relationships. Yeah. And so I just think the pace of our yeah. lives is one of the biggest things that leads to superficiality. I think we all, I don't care who you are, you were made longing for depth. Yeah. Life on life with people, eye to eye relationship with people. Yeah. And so that's just, I, I think, a huge challenge in our culture. For my fourth point, I'll hand it to my wife. <laughs> um. This isn't as profound, but I think the question was like we we are desirous of authentic relationships, but it's hard to get there, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think so much of that is our own insecurity. Yeah. Like if people really knew me, and I really like I didn't have to perform or I didn't have to try to fit in, like would I be enough? Mm. And I think that keeps us from those places of real depth. Um, but I think that's why that was so pivotal for me. Like I shared confidence, like when I started to know who I was and who God created to me to be, and even down to like my sense of humor and what I enjoyed and 
who I am. Like I no longer have to show up to try to impress anybody. And I get to be me because this is who God created me to be. And people want to know me and they want to know you for you because, you know, if I just look to somebody else to try to emulate their life or their gifts or their personality, like it always falls short because I was never supposed to be them. I'm supposed to be all that God created Taryn to be. And so I think that confidence piece is so huge. Confidence in who I am really breeds authentic, real depth relationships. Yeah, because there's no need to like pretend. There's no pretense. I think part of what you guys are tapping into is so many of us live a life just trying to paint a picture of what we think people want us right. to be. Right. And we're like trying to, like we think, you know, we, we, we kind of put, portray this fake self as if this is what I think people want me to be. Right. And we're putting that image out there. And over time, what can happen is we can actually lose our real yeah. selves. Right. And we just find our identity attached to what I think everyone else wants from me. Right. And part of the struggle, I think, in community, I want to ask it maybe this way. This is a little bit of a change, but we're talking about not treating people as transactions and not, you know, not allowing maybe um, the fear of vulnerability to keep us from actually experiencing true community. Um, if Jesus could take a look at the way that we value relationships today, what would he undo? What would Jesus undo? I think... I think one of the main things that he would undo is guilt and shame. Mm. Because I think when we talk about things like performance, like, hey, I, want, like I have to perform a certain way to be accepted by someone or some people, or I have to, I have to please everybody, yeah. um, you know, or I have to be this to feel this, it really comes down to this sense of shame like i i um i don't understand the cross and the fact that all of my guilt and all of my shame was paid for on the cross mm-hmm. and so i don't have to prove anything to anyone anymore like i can truly just accept his grace and live yeah. into my voice live into my story, live into my body. I, I, I don't know if it's just being 36, but I don't, I don't care what you think about me. You know, and, I, and I'm not like, I'm not trying, I'm not bit, trying to say yeah. like I'm that like weird dude that's like, I, I don't care what anybody thinks. Like you, maybe you should care a little bit. You're, you're, you're crazy. You're weird. Like, right? No, I'm like, I really, I really, I really don't care. Like, I really don't care. Like, I just, I just don't the only it sounds cliche but the only thing that I care about is that um, I'm honoring Jesus and everything else is a natural byproduct of that relationship and guess what like our marriage is a byproduct of that you know our family becomes a byproduct our church like the the number one thing that people will say after they leave Zion church it's just like far from a perfect church we're in a parking lot people bring their Tommy Bahama beach chairs you know <laughs> there's no shade you guys have this epic shade situation with covid hits it's like you know we don't we're not doing shade like you know we don't <laughs> yeah we bring your hat and your sunscreen like but people walk away and they go it's real 
Hmm. Like, man, there's something real. Like, all I care about is people having a real encounter with a real God who loves the real them and real relationships forming from it. And I just think guilt and shame goes, man, it really makes us try to perform or impress, you know, people pleasing. And Jesus just wants to say, like, I I actually died for all of that. So you could just be free to be you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, like, I think... um, let me just say to that freedom of not caring that, but that takes some work, right? It's yeah. taken some work to get there and probably a little bit of the journey of, of kind of experiencing that kind of freedom in a healthy way to yeah. say like, you know, I'm not trying to live up to anybody's, yeah. you know, opinions about, about me. Do you, would you want to chime into that about what Jesus would undo about maybe the way that we value relationships? Yeah. I, as I was thinking about that, I'm like, that's a convicting thought. You know, when I think in my own life, there's a temptation to um, see people from our flesh and not from our spirit. Mm. And I think that the people that we value here on earth probably are not going to be the people of greatest value in heaven, if that makes sense. Like the people that we want to be around or that have influence or are famous, like why are we elevating them? Or why is it that I want to be in that friend group or that thing? Um, I think the the Lord really wants us to look at the heart. Like, do I connect with people at a heart level or am I so impressed by what they look like or what they dress like or if they're in the in crowd? Um, I think we're so distracted by that and we're so drawn to that. But Jesus, he would undo it. Like he would undo that and he'd say like, do you see people the way I see people? Do you value them the way I value them? Because I actually think our friendships would look a lot different. Like I, and I don't mean this in a prideful way, but I have friends that, you would never think on the outside that we would be friends, like, because we're so different, but that's who Jesus is. Like, a, a, a Jesus spirit-filled friendship is something um, so unique, and I think, yeah, I think he would just do it in a different way. Yeah. It reminds me, like, you know, because I want to lean a little bit more into the, like, into the superficiality thing that you both are touching on, um, of, of the way that we see relationships, even the way that we see ourselves, because it, part of the danger, I think, is that what seems maybe so innocent of superficial superficiality and just kind of like, you know, the, yeah, just it can feel like normal almost, but it actually can kind of become a spiritual condition right. and keep us or, or rob us from experiencing real community. Right. And like the kind of community that God had intended or the kind of community that we all are destined for reminds me like there's this, there's this story in the Bible of um, in 2 Corinthians chapter three where Paul is referencing Moses on the mountain. And he talked about how when Moses would go up to meet with God that he would be so overwhelmed with glory that his face would shine. And going down the mountain, that he would put a veil over his face. Now, initially, you would think that the veil was to hide his face from shining because that's a weird thing and you don't want to scare people away because it's like, you know, dude, what's what's up with the skincare regimen? The glow is unbelievable. (laughs) But Paul says, reflecting on the story of Moses, is that the veil wasn't there to hide the shining. The veil was there to hide the fading. And that, that he wanted, you know, that there's this, there's this element of trying to pretend like there's more there than there really is. <laughs> and kind of just, just looking at that and saying like, you know, for, and, and by the way, this wasn't just like, you know, Moses, or he put the veil over his face. We don't have veils, but we have filters. Yeah. And we do this too. Right. 
And there's always, there's a sense about all of us that maybe are trying to portray an image or portray um, more about us than there really is. Um, and, I, and I think part of what you know, starts out as something superficial actually becomes a spiritual condition because if the veil covers the face, it's only a matter of time before it covers the heart too. Yeah, exactly. And the, the temptation, I think, for us to, to uncover about this is really taking a look, okay, if God wants me to be authentic, Paul says the way to remove the veil is actually when we turn to the Lord. So he says, anyone who turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now we try and do all of this, you know, pretense and posturing and networking and trying to, you know, get our agenda or our, our leverage. But Paul says, when we turn to the Lord, the veil is, let me say it another way. Only in Jesus can you find authenticity. Yeah. 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 Right. That's what, he's, that's what Paul says, that it's not like here's the practical steps, like don't care what people, no, no, no. The way to authenticity is Jesus. And Jesus says that in, in, in John 14. He says, I am the truth. The truest, the truest you is the back end of a relationship with Jesus. And can you maybe share, like, when we're talking about, um, you know, I guess my question is looking at this story and the challenge that we have to say, this is maybe the veil that I put up in my life. Can you share your story of kind of finding vulnerability and getting away from the fear about maybe the fear of vulnerability to actually lean into that kind of community? Yeah, I mean, for me, it, um, it's been a journey, like you said. And so when I you know, joke about like, I don't care, you know, um, it, it, it doesn't mean that I don't care about what I look like, you know? It's like, come on, like, like, let's be honest. Like, that's okay. Care about yourself and care about your health and most importantly, care about your relationship with God. But this guilt and shame piece is, is, is key to me in my journey because I grew up as a pastor's kid and I always felt like I was under a microscope and I felt, I felt that sense of judgment if I didn't, you know, I grew up in an Assemblies of God church, Pentecostal, passionate, you know, like if I didn't raise my hands at the right moment, if I didn't, you know, if I didn't say the right words in the prayer, if I didn't pray with enough passion, if, if I didn't have, yeah. you know, so my dad has his doctorate and if, if I didn't have something intellectual to offer at the dinner table, yeah. then my value, my worth was attached to not having enough And so I I tried to overcompensate it by, okay, I'm going to work out, you know, I'm never going to look as good as Pastor Cody, but I'm going to try. I'm, you know, like, like, you know, I'm just keep it going. I'm just going to keep grinding that joke. Like, it's just going to keep happening tonight. Um, But I'm going to overcompensate, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And the more you, it's a slippery slope like you talk about. The more you put one veil, then you put another filter, then you put another veil until you don't even know who you are anymore. Yes. And I I got to points in my journey where I'm just like, who's who's in here? And what does God say about this, this guy? Not the middle child that grew up in a pastor's home. And, um, and God has really done a, um, a transformative work over years of um, lovingly and graciously stripping away pride, ego, selfish ambition, uh, my plan, and really, really allowed me to see his pleasure for me as, as his son. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, being married is always great too. Like, 
your husband or wife will help you see your weaknesses. The closest relationship can either, you know, but at the same time, I'll say this, like, like, you know, there's that phrase out there, like no new friends, you know, Mm. and it's just like the most stupid phrase ever. It's like, our phrase should just be no fake friends. There we go. Because you can have a, you can, you can have a friend for 30 years and still be fake with each other. And it doesn't really matter the duration. It matters the depth that you go with people. And Mm -hmm. like we were able, when we met, I'll just say that she, she, like when we met, we had a two hour coffee conversation and I just said, Hey, here's me. Here's the good, bad, and ugly. Because I figured I'd get it out of the way. Like if she wanted to move on, it it wasn't going to be because I was like trying to sell her on something. Shotgun approach. Yeah. Here it is. You know, (laughs) I don't encourage you to do that, but God led me in that moment. And I just felt like we started off in a place of authenticity and vulnerability and transparency. This open book philosophy from day one. And, uh, and, that, and, and that came with the, the reality that Jesus, he, he didn't just get me to heaven. He completely demolished guilt and shame here on earth so I can be totally real with yeah. other people and be okay with whatever consequence that brings. Yeah. I think that... Uh, building that foundation in our marriage early on, we, we had no clue. You know, when we got married, it was like we dated for, we met, we dated for six months and we got married. So it was like, it's kind of a fast track. Um, but it, it felt like God's, you know, timing. He was in it. It felt like some, someone's timing. <laughs> we made it happen. Um, but, but like John said, we did, we really built the foundation on like, we valued being real with each other. We valued like, and I was like, hey, this is me. Like, I'm not trying to impress you. I'm not trying to please you. Like, this is me and this is what I value and this is who I am. And same with John. And that's what I think really built our, it, it allowed our, our relationship to even fast track because we started with that. We didn't take a year to be like, actually, I was really just like putting on a front back then. This is really me. Yeah. Um, but because we started that in the beginning of our marriage, you know, there was some like really big challenges along the way. We've mm-hmm. been married for seven years and you know, when we got married, we didn't know that we would struggle with infertility. That was a part of our journey. We didn't know. And then that happened. And then, um, some of you guys know our story, but we became foster parents, which is such an incredible privilege. And Mm. then our foster son that we thought we were going to adopt ended up reunifying with his dad. And it was just kind of like blow after blow of loss, a season of loss. But because we had established being authentic, um, it allowed us to be authentic with our life and with the influence and the platform that God had given us to bring people into our story, to share the losses, to share the good, the bad, the ugly. And I'll just say that, you know, people, they, they love and respect you for your strengths, but they will connect with you over your weaknesses. And because of that vulnerability, honestly, that's been my greatest level of influence is sharing my weaknesses. Mm. And so because we built that early on, it's like God could trust us. You know, he could trust us even with our story. And like our, our heart is to be able to encourage people and to come alongside people who are going through something similar. 
Yeah, it's beautiful. You know, I, I say it not not jokingly. You guys laugh every time I say it, but honestly, you two are like superheroes in my book because of the sort of what you've done with the, um, you know, the initiative that you've raised up around foster care and adoption. It really is like the heart of the gospel, and I think like walking through with um, seeing you guys maybe from the outset. Um, watching you journey through some of this journey, whether it be infertility or, or foster care. Um, I've even watched how you've leaned into that space of vulnerability among community. And part of what I think is so beautiful is like, vulnerability always takes the first step, right? And we can't be free or we can't be fearful that people would maybe weaponize vulnerability right. against us. Right. That it's like, oh, see, I knew it, right? right? But there's, there is a level of faith and kind of trust that's required to say, I'm going to take the first step here. Yeah. But just like you said, people are maybe impressed by our strengths, but they yeah. connect to us through our weaknesses. So good, and this is like the upside down right. sort of nature of, of kingdom relationship and godly relationship is that, is that it's actually in our vulnerability. It's our, it's our moment of weakness that we find something I think really special about the truth of who we are and of truth about who God is. Can I talk to that for yeah. just one sec as a pastor? Please. You know, like I'm, um, you know, that's been a big journey for me preaching. I've been uh, really vulnerable on stage just talking about our struggles with infertility, our, our pain and loss with our three foster care children. Um, and, um, my struggle with, with seven months of crippling anxiety. Uh, you know, first year planting a church where you're supposed to be big vision leader guy. And, you know, I, 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 I felt like God led me to take a, keep taking a risk and talk about your struggles. Hmm. Like, think about, like, hey, you're sitting in the audience, first year church is this baby church getting off the ground, and this guy's talking about having, like, a nervous breakdown. You're like, do I still come to this church? Yeah. Do I, is this really my pastor? Right. You know? And, and, and um, you know what? It's cool is each step you take to be vulnerable, transparent, and open, it's practice yeah. for the next step. Right. And every single time I have, I have shown my wounds, right. I have connected with people, right. and guess what? Transformation happens. Right. Connection happens. Yeah. The church has continued to grow. Yeah. My big fear was people would leave the church because they've got this lead pastor that's not competent. He's not a leader. He's, you know, he, he, he's, he's not always winning, winning, winning. <laughs> and, um, and, and guess what? Actually, the opposite has happened. Right. Yeah. You know, people love it. And people yeah. love a pastor that's real and not trying yeah. to act like he's in some ivory tower and yeah. isn't affected by the world. And actually growth has come from it. And like we get to be a part of the church too. Like we're in a small group. Yeah. And, awesome. and I'll just say this, like friendship and deep authentic relationships, they take time. And for us, you'd think, oh, they're, you know, like they're pastors. They just ha immediately have these deep friendships at their church. Not so. Right. It's yeah. taken us season after season right. after season with the same people in a small group to finally get to places where we're like truly family. Right. And, uh, you know, so oftentimes I see people in uh, churches and, you know, ministries where it's like, yeah, I tried that connect group one time and I bounced because I didn't find a best friend. Yeah. 
And it's like, no, it's, it's like a seed that takes time and yeah. has to go deep into the ground. Yeah. And then it has to break open and be vulnerable and grab a hold of rocks and other roots so that it can get stronger. And then eventually a blade comes through and then the fruit doesn't come for years. And so there's just that patience quality to it too. Yeah, really good. And even like being lead pastors, the temptation's got to be that much more right? To try and pretend like we've got it all yeah. together or that like, you know, I think of like, we do our connect groups. It's like the end of the, the time. It's like prayer requests. Like what does the lead pastor say? Right. But how cool that you, you know, that you're leaning into that space to actually build like genuine community. Yeah. Um, maybe just as we close tonight, like some encouragement for people. I don't know if you, Taryn, if you feel like there's something on your heart for you know, I think maybe my question is how do we how do we take steps here to build this kind of community where we ourselves can be authentic, but we can experience sort of the beauty and the fullness of what community is supposed to be yeah. all along? Yeah, I mean, something that God I was just praying for this this night and I really I'll just say I really love prayer and I really believe in prayer and the power of prayer. Like it's yeah. actually changed my life. It's not just like, yeah, prayer. No, like I believe that prayer has power. So I would love to pray for you guys before yeah. our time's over. But um, as I was just listening, I felt like the Lord really put on my heart people that want this, but they're struggling um, with, with like social anxiety, like an actual like chemical imbalance. Mm. And you would never even know, but it took everything for you to show up here tonight. And... Wow. In a full room, you still feel lonely. And I kept hearing that word lonely. Um, and so I want to, um, not to like go heavy, but I'd love to just like have a time of prayer because I believe like God can break something off your life tonight. That's like right. he, the, the spirit of, of the living God is here and he wants to see his kids free. And I feel like a part of this is um, breaking that spirit of fear off of your life and um, because you want it. Like the heart is there and you want it and I think it's available. So, Can I go practical for a second? Sure. She's the spiritual one in the relationship. (laughs) I'm the practical one. Um, And it's a great combination that we get to live out as a team in ministry. Um, God put, lo- it's interesting, God put lo- that word loneliness on, yeah. on, on my heart yeah. as we were driving here. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for people who look like they have all the friends in the world, but you're really lonely. Yeah. Um, practically speaking, how do we build this into our lives and into our community? Yeah. I, 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 think, I, think self, I think self-assessment is key. Do you, you know, do you know yourself? Have you spent time with the Lord and heard his words over you? And I also think like therapy and counseling and all that stuff is really, really healthy. Like get, it's going to be really hard to form authentic relationships if we don't know ourselves. I think the other thing that's really practical is realizing that we're a part of a kingdom and we get to hang out with each other for all of eternity. <laughs> like, right. guess what, Cody? It's like, like, you're, you're my, dude, check this out. This is going to sound creepy, but you're my jewel in heaven. Huh. The only thing that you take with you into heaven is people. Yeah. The only thing that you take into heaven is your investment. And the only investment that lasts forever is people. And so 
You have to have a kingdom mindset that says, I'm not going to go on social media to criticize, compare, and compete because I'm not in a competition in a kingdom. There's one king and I'm not that king. So, good. so there's a kingdom mentality. I'm not in competition with you. So, so here, here's how this practically works. God spoke it to me in the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Yeah. You have to time block every single day. Yeah, it has to get on your schedule. One person each day that you're going to reach out to through a voice memo, through a text, or a call, yeah. and you're going to celebrate them, yeah. you're going to affirm them, and you're going to appreciate them. Yeah. Yeah. And what that does is it forms this beautiful kingdom yeah. mindset. And, uh, and, and, and it, it, it also forges just this eternal perspective. Mm. Um, one last thing. I know you're like, okay, shut up, guy. But like, oh, um, check this out. In eternity, <laughs> our, our end destination is not all of us in heaven floating on clouds singing the blessing over and over again. Some like endless worship night. You're like, you know, like <laughs> we kind of picture that at times or it's just endless worship. And you're like, I, I kind of like worship, but. I really like the word from this guy. Your final destination and my final destination is a party. It's called the marriage supper of the lamb in Revelation chapter 19. So the great commission to go and make disciples is simply go and build friendships with people that you're going to follow me alongside. The great commission leads to what I call the great celebration which actually isn't in heaven, it's in the new earth. God is creating a new heaven and a new earth where we get to actually live in this kind of way, in a glorified way, and have a party forever together. That's the kind of God that believes in relationship and believes in friendship and believes in celebration. Having an eternal mindset, am I investing in the things today that will last forever? And the only thing that will last forever is people. Yeah, beautiful. I think, you know, what, what I want to say to our community tonight is these kind of relationships are possible. Yeah. It's not just something that we are, it's not just like the goal, right? This is, it is the goal, but it actually is possible. And it's possible for your life. And I, I want to say, like, I think for us, there's been people that have been, um, you know, fear isn't just a liar, it's also a thief. Yeah. And it's keeping us, I think, yeah. from this kind of community. Yeah. We're not going to be alone in heaven. I love that idea. We're going to be with each other, right? right? That's the goal. And so I think for us, like, I want to say tonight that, like, taking these steps, sure, it's, 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 it's a fight, but everything in life is worth fighting for. Right, like the, the the things that are most important to us, it's worth that kind of fight and vulnerability. It's it may seem like my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to let people into this, but watch how the Spirit of God can meet you and form just a, a deep sense of authenticity and community. I mean, connect groups are a great place to start for that. Yeah. It's just like we've we've kind of organized this whole thing. This isn't just a service. It's not just a gathering. This is a community right. that we're a part of. Right. And I don't want to just see people kind of come and go. I'd love to build something that we're actually a community, like we talked about from the beginning, that we can actually have a space where people can meet the need of experiencing authentic relationships, authentic community. Um, Maybe just as we close tonight, we all can stand together. And uh, the team's going to come... But I want to go full circle and just remember the, the, the way that we started tonight 
it's just this this premise that the only way to know true authenticity with ourselves and with each other, like we can't truly be present without experiencing God's presence. This is kind of where it starts here. Now we're going to practice that in a moment. Maybe we just bow our heads and close our eyes. We're just going to have a short time of prayer before we respond in worship to to respond to God's presence here tonight. And maybe we just can open up our hearts to say um, just kind of where we're at tonight, to, to really allow maybe God's spirit to, to breathe upon us. Yeah. You know, the only, the only yeah. way to know who you are, the Bible says this, the only way to know who you are and what it is that you're living for is in a relationship That's with right. Jesus. Apart from Jesus, those things are confusing. We're left searching. But guess what? The search stops in Jesus. You don't have to keep searching for your identity in other places. You don't have to keep searching for true fulfillment or relational fulfillment. It's in a relationship with Jesus. You know, we're talking about these nights as an opportunity for us to share about what it means to follow Jesus. I I do believe in God's vision for community. But you know, I don't want to just have tonight talking about it without giving people the opportunity to actually experience Jesus and to meet him here tonight. So no no pretense. We're not going to do anything crazy. Just you're here tonight and maybe something in the conversation spoke to you. What I believe is that's not just... Um, coincidence, but as we were speaking, that the Holy Spirit was also speaking to you tonight. And so here tonight, maybe you're, you felt something in your heart. You felt like, you know what? I haven't actually opened up to anybody that maybe I'm just living what feels like just, I'm just being fake. And tonight's an opportunity to get real before the God that created you to get real and to say, I'm going to take that first step of vulnerability to recognize my weakness And just like Paul says in 2 Corinthians, I'm turning to Jesus. I'm setting my sight towards him. I'm not going to try and live my life my way. I'm going to follow his way. And every time we turn to Jesus, the Bible says the veil is removed. It's authenticity being found here tonight. Freedom, like we talked about, is being found here tonight. Just people saying, I'm taking that first step to follow Jesus. If you're here tonight, every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around just to respect the privacy of this moment. If you're here, you say, Cody, I want to know Jesus. I want to follow Jesus leaving, leaving this room tonight. Would you just shoot your hand up in the air so I can see who it is that we're praying for? Hands going up. There's one, there's two, there's three, four, five. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's just all pray this prayer after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God. And I believe on the cross you took my guilt, my shame, and you died for it. You faced hell for me so I wouldn't have to. And I believe you rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth and a relationship with your Father. Today, Lord Jesus, I turn from my way to follow you. 
Help me to see the real me. Now let's make this our confession. Say, God is my Father. Jesus is my Savior. The Holy Spirit is my helper. And heaven is my home. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate those people that may have made that decision tonight? Okay, now it's our chance to practice. And as the team leads us in song, Taryn's going to pray here in a moment. I would just love to invite us all, if you're comfortable to lift your hands, to express a, a, a full lean-in to the presence of God here tonight, and to express in worship our, our gratitude and our celebration. And let's just allow ourselves to be vulnerable with Jesus. Here's what I believe. God knows every need. And I believe that freedom's taking place in this room, that joy is being restored in this room, that there's a spirit of fear that that's going to be cast out in courage and boldness. Taryn, can you pray for us? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just declare that the spirit of fear is broken off this place. And anxiety, you have no authority here. So every person, even now, if that's something that you're struggling with, I don't want to call you out, but just place your hand over your heart. I just bless you tonight with the mind of Christ. I bless you with the Prince of Peace. I, I just declare freedom from anxiety right now. You have no holds. You have no place. And I just release joy in this house. As, as people begin to experience, I just, I just sense like a weight is being lifted, like a heaviness is being lifted off right now. You're beginning to feel free. You can feel free to worship. You can feel free to receive the love of God. Even the liquid love of God is meeting you right now. And he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. So I bless you. I just declare that tonight is, is a marking night. Those who are struggling with loneliness, Jesus has never left you. And I bless you with deep friendships that even this week, as you press into his presence, that you're going to understand what it means to be present with people. And so I just bless you with new and deep friendships in Jesus' name. Yeah, I thank you, Lord, for every person here. And I just declare and thank you that today is the day of salvation. And there is a party in heaven over every single person that went all in for you. So we praise you, Jesus, because you are so worth it. And we just, yeah, we just give this rest of the night to you, Lord. We love you, we bless you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. Amen.